Welcome to The New Flesh. This is Cyboof Cinema. My name is Jonathan Astro. This is Ricky Allpike. Hey. And this is AJ. Ooh. How are we? Good. <laughs> I know. You've got to go big. Go big. Oh, I go, go big every week. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, I've, I've been a little bit under the weather the last couple of days. I'm feeling good today, but I had my first uh, boomer doomer jab the other day. So, um, right. yeah, I was a bit under the weather. My arm was hurting a lot, but I'm feeling good today. That's good. Okay. That's good. You're vaxxed and waxed? I'm, I'm half vaxxed. Just got the other side to go. <laughs> Oh, we should probably talk to, to us later. I want to talk about Rolling Stone a little bit later because Cameron Crowe is sort of involved in Rolling Stone. We're doing Say Anything Today, by the way, if you just tuned in uh, by Cameron Crowe. Now, I just wanted to mention there's a headline in Rolling Stone here. Ricky, you made me think of it. It says, anti-vax hypocrite Eric Clapton breaks own vow, plays venue with vaccine mandate. Oh, <laughs> there you go. I think that sums up everything that Rolling Stone is really. Mm. Like, you know, the language. Look at the language. Anti-vax hypocrite. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Eric, that's Eric Clapton. That, that, that is a god of rock and roll. Rolling Stone you know. is now preferencing Eric Clapton's personal views about, uh, <laughs> about vaccines over, over anything he did with cream. Yeah. You know? I know. Like, like they don't care about Layla. That anymore, yeah. <laughs> you know. Now, they, now they <laughs> care about uh, Pfizer. They don't care about his son anymore. Oh, <laughs> in he- his son in heaven. No, they don't though. They they they, mm. they they care. They don't care about Layla. They just care about Pfizer. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Pfizer. <laughs> Got me on my knees. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, anyway. Well, hang on. Before before we get into into the full episode here. Big shout out to to Spain. We we have new followers and listeners from Spain. So really happy to uh, see that our international audience is growing. And if I could speak Spanish, I would do so now, but I cannot. Okay. Well, I second that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hola. Welcome. I'm gonna take out Diane Court. Diane Court doesn't go out. She's a brain trapped in the body of a game show hostess. We don't want to see you get hurt. I want to get hurt. Diane Court. Hello, Diane. Looking at you tonight. Hi, Lloyd Dalbert, sir. Huh? I'm an athlete, so I rarely drink. Kickboxing, I heard of kickboxing, sport of the future. I can see by your face, no. My point is you can relax because your daughter will be safe with me for the next seven to eight hours, sir. For a dare to be great situation. Thank tough boy. We gave it up for I just can't have any social life right now. We'll be antisocial. What are your plans for the future? Spend as much time possible with Diane. No, really. I'm totally and completely serious. I decided not to sleep with him. Then I attacked him anyway. Told your dad? She gave my heart and she gave me a pen. Dude, where'd she dump you, man? Her car. Uh, your car? Dished in the family. Oh. Did we touch the fire above? 
Someone's here to see you. I need you. You do? Cusack, Ioni Sky, say anything. So, say anything. Tell me what happened in this movie. Well, full disclosure here, this synopsis does not do the film justice. Okay. If you haven't seen the film and you listen to my synopsis, you'll go, this just sounds like a boring piece of shit. But the movie, <laughs> the movie is very good. So here we go. Near the end of their senior year of high school, noble underachiever and aspiring kickboxer Lloyd Dobler, played by John Cusack, falls for valedictorian Diane Court and plans to ask her out, though they belong to different social groups. Lloyd's parents are in England on Air Force duty, so he lives with his sister Constance, played by Joan Cusack, a single mother and has no plans for his future. Diane comes from a sheltered academic upbringing and lives with her doting divorced father, Jim, played by John Mahoney of Fraser fame, who owns the retirement home where she works. She's due to take up a prestigious fellowship in Britain at the end of summer. Lloyd asks Diane to accompany him to their after graduation all night party. She agrees to the surprise of her classmates. Lloyd sweetly keeps a close eye on her at the party as her intense academic schedule has largely prevented her from socialising or making close friendships. Their next date is a dinner at the court household where Lloyd fails to impress Diane's family and Jim is informed that he is under investigation by the Internal Revenue Service. Diane takes Lloyd to meet the residents of the retirement home and he teaches her to drive the manual transmission Ford Tempo that her father gave her as a graduation present. Their relationship grows to intimate to her father's concern. Lloyd's musician friend Corey, who has never gotten over her cheating ex-boyfriend Joe, warns him to take care of Diane and make a grand gesture for her. Diane's father urges her to break up with Lloyd, feeling he is not an appropriate match, and suggests that she give Lloyd a pen as a parting gift. Diane, worried about her father, tells Lloyd she wants to stop seeing him and concentrate on her studies, and tells him to take her pen. Devastated, Lloyd seeks advice from Corey, who tells him to be a man. The IRS cuts off Jim's credit, and his credit cards are declined when he tries to buy Diane a luggage set as the investigation drags on. In one of the 1980s most iconic film scenes, Lloyd plays In Your Eyes, a Peter Gabriel song that was playing when they became intimate on a boombox while standing under her open bedroom window. The next day, Diane meets with the IRS investigator who explains that they have evidence suggesting Jim has been embezzling funds from his retirement home residence. He advises her to accept the fellowship as matters with her father will worsen. After Diane discovers cash concealed at home, Jim tells her he stole the money to give her financial independence, justifying it by saying he provided a better care to the victims of the embezzlement than their families did. Distraught, she reconciles with Lloyd at the gym where he trains as a kickboxer. By the end of summer, Jim has been incarcerated on a nine-month sentence. Lloyd visits him at the prison and says that he will go with Diane to Britain. Jim reacts with anger. Lloyd gives him a letter from Diane saying she cannot forgive him, but she arrives to say goodbye and they embrace. She gives him the pen that she gave Lloyd, asking him to write her in Britain. The film ends with Lloyd uh, comforting Diane, who was afraid of flying on their flight to England. And that's where the film ends. So AJ, I believe this is one of your one of your favourites. Never saw it. 
You never saw it? No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, completely thrown, the subplot is whack. I thought, okay, so this is just going to be a teen flick. Mm Mm-hmm. No, but, no, but why did I get the feeling that when you said let's watch it, that that you were that there was something behind it? <laughs> it was just that you wanted you just wanted to watch it. Just yeah. tick it off the list. Get it, get it off your list. No, but that's good. I just felt that I feel like you've been led down the garden path by the movie. I've been led down the garden path by you. <laughs> because I was treading lightly, like, and I'm like, oh, geez, what's the deal here, you know? And then and here you are, you just coming out saying, never seen it. Plot was back. <laughs> well, you know what? For the longest time, I've been wanting to see the film with the boombox scene, right. which, yeah, is, which is how I knew this, how I knew the film, mm. and now I've me, seen it. Me too. <laughs> so ticket off my list, done. Okay, all right. And well, that, that scene isn't even, I thought that would be the climax. Right. Well, it it is a good scene though. It is. It is a good scene. No, but this is this is this happens consistently, okay? And it, it's it it's people getting carried away. Like it's now it's now bigger than the film. The parts now mm, yeah. are completely bigger than the movie. Uh, and, Definitely. And I'm always a big fan of getting back to getting back to uh, you know, the actual films and the actual scripts and words and saying, "Okay, now Get it away from the, the, you know, you know how you dressed up like that guy. Well, you dressed up like Lloyd with a boombox and you went to a yeah. party and you made a big deal. Well, now let's get back to watching what the movie actually is. Mm. You know, it's the IRS yeah. coming to your house. Yes. Okay? <laughs> That's the movie. Well, it's a film. It's a film about honesty and dishonesty, really, isn't it? Um, I th- well, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's. I think there are. It's. 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 It's about. Um, Look, I think I understand the film now a lot more than I did in my teens. Uh, I, I, I used to watch it and just go, "What's the big? What's the? I don't really understand this." So, the the dad's sort of um, well-meaning, dirty dealings are central to this film. Yeah. Mm. So, so, and I think that your tolerance for this movie or or your your assessment of this movie is going to be based on entirely on what you think of the dad's entire plot creep if you <laughs> yeah well yeah. <laughs> yes. but if you think that it's essential and that that it only makes everything better well then you're going to say this movie's you know the best teen movie of all time but if you think that it's it's it has the air of digression about it then you're going to say I, I thought I'd be hanging out more at the mall than at yes. the IRS office. Well, I, I've got to say, first up, I really enjoyed this film. I, I, I liked it. Yeah, okay. And, well, and I, came, I came in with crickets. no expectations. No, I came in with no expectations. Like, even the boombox scene to me, um, it it wasn't that hyped up. Like, like I only know it. I actually know it because of Peter Gabriel. Like, like I love that song. And then that's when I found out, oh, it was in this iconic movie. Oh, okay, sure. So I had not heard that much about this film or even that scene, to be honest. So I came in really with no expectations and um, I I really enjoyed it. And I think I, I, I think uh, it's true what you say, Astro, like uh, having if, if I had seen this as a teen and, and, and as someone who had you know, not yet had my heart broken or not yet kind of lived through a few relationships and not looked back at my time in my kind of late teens and early 20s. Like, I don't think think I would have enjoyed it so much. Like, I really identified with Lloyd and and his, uh, yeah, his love of, of Diane and, and the breakup. So His intensity. 
Yeah, I, I, I really liked him as a character too. Like, yeah, I thought um, he was good. Well, the, the, just to expand, the, this film's unique because it has concerns that other teen films don't have. So think about it. There were like zero adults in Last American Virgin. Do you know mm. what I mean? Yeah. So, and here we've got a fully fledged adult living a real life. You know, we go to his business. Like, <laughs> the mm. IRS is as real as it gets. You know, yeah. and and we it doesn't just end there. We go to the big house with him. Yeah. We do. Yeah. <laughs> we go to the big house. Like that. This is this is stuff that that kids don't want to well want want to deal with. Um, you know, everything that 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 his plot brings with it is is got the like you know just. Uh, but I think that's maybe why this it's this movie's completely different to all mm. of the other all of the John Hughes stuff and and whatever. Mm. Yeah, we we also get uh, a glimpse into adult life through Lloyd's sister as well, who's a single parent. Mm. So we, we we do spend some time there. Hang and Lloyd has a really sweet relationship with his nephew too, who uh, they both train kickboxing together. And um, I just love that scene when. Um, what does he say? He says, "What? What do we want?" And he's, uh, oh, "Yeah, what do we love? Pain." As the as the <laughs> little kids hitting the punching bag, you know. So, I thought that was really sweet. And yeah, it is. It is like you say, Astro. It, um, yeah, it does have adult concerns in this film. That uh, if you were seeing it, if you were watching this film and you were like fifteen or something, you probably wouldn't care at all about any of that. Well, put it this way, you, you know, AJ, which movie did you watch more? Like, well, which movie would you watch more if you had seen this movie? This one or Mole Rats? Oh, I loved Mole Rats. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> no? And I loved Can't Hardly Wait. So I felt like even though I didn't um, watch the movie with high hopes, yes. but as soon as that graduation party happened, I was like, yeah, we're here, baby. It's Can't Hardly Wait. It's... <laughs> It'd be great. But but can't, but can't but can't hardly wait is from a different era. That that like when yeah. you think when you think about it, that that movie is a is is a distillation of mm. of the best parts of say anything and all the John Hughes stuff put in a Definitely. movie. You know, whereas yeah. when they were doing them in the eighties, th- th- this was a new thing. Like like mm. and we we forget that we forget that um, John Hughes's. Uh, attitude towards teenagers uh, was not a thing in the seventies or before. Yeah. It was just not a thing. Like he 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 did he got down on their level and said, you know what? Like I'm going to I'm going to really tell a story about them and humanize them. And and but then we've got all, each of those movies has has iconic bits. And then by the time we get to Carl, can't hardly wait. It's just like you know they're they're saying let's make a you know sort of a a. a um, the the movie they never made in the eighties, mm-hmm. you know, with all those uh, all those bits. Um, alternate title: Don't say anything except to the IRS. Or <laughs> 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 what about this one? Say anything except about how you got railed to your dad. <laughs> Seriously, what the fuck was that? Don't, yeah, don't, that was weird. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. It was. Creepy. Yeah. The relationship was really creepy. I yeah. I think yeah. The 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 do- father daughter relationship is a little bit strange. I I felt that Jim was slightly sinister sometimes in in a few of those scenes. Yeah. Like like um a, a little bit um 
So he's, he's kind of over the top to the point of menacing sometimes, you know, like like the way he's, he's, he's sort of probing what she's up to and sort of under the guise of you can tell me anything, like, you know, we're just pals, you can talk to me about anything. And mm. I don't know, that's the feeling I got. What, what did you guys think? Well, it's hard to say. <laughs> I'm a huge Frasier fan, so it's really mm. hard to separate uh, him from, you know. From Marty Crane. Yeah, from Marty Crane. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and he does some Marty Crane in this. There's some, yeah. there's some lines where I just go, oh, he's doing Marty Crane. Yeah. Uh, but no, look, I, I don't know. Like he is he is intense, but uh, I don't know. That 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 is a modern lens, though. Like you know, it's it's inappropriate to have any anything but a but a but a disinterested relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like well, I, I thought it I thought it made her story more interesting. It it gave her uh you got more of an insight into into why uh well why she's so uh, brilliant academically but also so so lacking in in social uh connection mm. with, with her mm. classmates and uh so so from that point of view I think it, it really helps to build up her character. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, th- I think the father character is kind of central to this to this film. Like e- even in the beginning, when when Lloyd calls up to speak to Diane, he doesn't get through straight away, and he has to leave a message with the father. And you know, you kind of get this this idea that 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 he's a bit of a gateway uh, to to her. You know, remember that. Remember having to make the house call. Yes, I do. It took me back a little bit. I know. <laughs> I kind of had forgotten all about that, and I got nervous. Yes. Well, yeah. well, just the nervousness that he feels like having to make the call. He's got to psych himself mm. up for it, and that's exactly what you used to do. I mean, fuck. Now you just send a text message. You know, you just h- sort of hide behind your just your, say you your are phone. You know, mm. <laughs> sup, sup. No, just send, just send nudes. <laughs> to 10 different chicks <laughs> see when I get back. you are definitely getting nudes if you send cast, that cast that net far and wide <laughs> yeah, that's right. it's a numbers game baby that's right oh yes but then but then there's also a great scene when lloyd meets uh jim for the first time uh to take her out and um lloyd is kind of slightly bumbling but yeah sort of has to Try and reassure him that he's he's an upstanding citizen, and you know he doesn't drink, and you know he's he's an athlete. He does kickboxing, the sport of the future. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the kickboxing bit was great. Yeah, well, you I know what? I, I've got this in my my trivia notes here, but um, but Cusack has uh, been training kickboxing for twenty years. What? Mm. Yes, he's been doing it with Benny Arquidez. Who's 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 big in the movement, and in fact, so if you if you know Gross Point Blank well, which is look, I think one of his best movies. Um, Benny Arquidez is one of the the main henchmen that he kills in that movie, and so he's been training with that guy since mm. Say Anything, pretty much. Wow! So he's gone. He's he's taken it seriously, which is funny because look, I did a bit of Muay Thai when I was younger. And yeah, you did. <laughs> I did. And um, look, I, to be honest, I just thought that martial arts was going to feature a lot heavier in adult life than it <laughs> Yes, that's <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, I was convinced that it was going to be important. Yeah. Uh, well, we were kind of sold that, you know. It was all yeah. about you, you, you've got to be able to defend yourself. You've got to be able to protect yourself. You do. You know, if, from stranger, stranger danger, you know. Yeah. 
Uh, well, I kind of want to get back into it to, to like to I don't know to fight Antifa or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, no, but like, no, so I did a bit of mutai, uh, you know, a bit of, uh, and so my assessment of his say anything kickboxing, it's so it's such a different style. Like I was just like, man, he's not good. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and I've been to Thailand and I've seen mutai, and it's they're so it's so deadly and direct it's like elbows and knees and um uh you know you know really you know powering your shin into you know turning on the on the heel and powering your shin into something like you know a lot of power and stuff and his sort of kickboxing that he was doing is really it's just very different and i was was not impressed so (laughs) well he'd, he'd only just begun his kickboxing journey though I guess so. So anyway, people can take me up on that online if they want to defend <laughs> how good it is. <laughs> so, but let's talk about Lloyd though, because like, so we've talked about the dad. So the two poles that um, that Ioni Sky has to, you know, navigate is the. On the one hand, we have her her father, him and his pastel wearing friends. <laughs> sneering at Lloyd and uh you know asking about his career plan and his future and and whatnot and then we have Lloyd so let, let like drill down into it I think I know the answer already but 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 you know what's the deal with Lloyd like is he you know is he a charming maverick or is he a loser <laughs> <laughs> like do you, would you want your daughter going out with Lloyd Mm, I be honest. No, I think no. I think his only problem is, I think w- once he finds out what he wants to do, he, he wants to follow her around. Well, he does, but <laughs> once he finds out what else he wants to do, I think I think he would commit to it pretty hard. Yeah. Like I think he's the kind of guy that uh, he just needs to find what 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 it is he wants to do. But realistically, he is behind the eight ball. Like, mm. like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, fair enough. Like, uh, I'm all, I'm all for uh, taking a bit of time or whatever. But you know, there are some cultures where, um, you know, a college degree and whatever is important. You know, for getting ahead and everything. And yeah. like, like they're going to have a very if she does, you know, follow through with her fellowship and you know, do really well in biochemistry or whatever the fuck, then they're going to have a very uh, lopsided relationship. You know what I mean? Like she's going to maybe get to the point where he's not, doesn't seem so charming unless she, she drops out and they, they, they do something together, you know, as bums. But is that good? Have a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Pop out a kid. But you're right. She'll meet people at uni or where, yeah, what yeah, the yeah. fellowship, and then people will open her mind. She'll change. Yeah, He'll stay true. the same. He's at home. He resents her. Blah blah blah. Oh my god, that's very <laughs> detailed. <laughs> <laughs> A little too detailed. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> no, but see, you, you said it though. Like, like we know what they don't know, which is that. Um, I mean, all the people you know who who are still together from when they were seventeen. Is that good? Are they in good relationships? No, no. no. I yeah. I, I I I don't think people should marry their high school girlfriends or boyfriends. Yeah, because no. because they, they are essentially still seventeen. You know, that's right. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I I've spent the last twenty years trying to escape who I was when I was fourteen, fifteen. You know, mm. so 
to to be tied to someone who knows what you were like back then. It's always no, sort of an anchor. It's, it, it'd be like an anchor to that time period that you're desperately trying to escape, you know. I don't know. Like, I, I like the idea of, you know, a young you um, looking up to how you could better do a helicopter kick like Van Damme. <laughs> she you know? comes home, he's just watching Van Damme movies. Yeah. She's pulling out her hair. Fuck this guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes. But look, I, but I mean, look, on the other side, on the other hand, I do understand what, what's being said. And and you know, emotionally we like Lloyd, of course, because oh, he's yeah. he's interesting and whatever. But you know, and the, and the message is like, as you say, uh, Ricky, you know, is it better to have, like, what's the point in having a career plan if you've got no integrity, Do you know? Mm. So Lloyd's, Lloyd's a bum, but he's an honest bum, yeah. whereas the yeah. dad has the best intentions for his daughter, but he's a crook. Yeah. yeah that's you right. know what I mean? Yeah. So. Mm. Um, well, there, there, there is a sweetness and a, and a hopefulness in this film and, and you know, I, I finished up the film like, like wanting them to make it you know yes mm. so you, you do want them to make it oh yeah you do yeah that was in my my list of, of, of good things or I'll, I'll talk about that later maybe but can you did, did anyone have this experience it's so refreshing to see a movie that isn't about identity mm. as we talk about mm. it today like this movie seems so alien do you know what i mean like like now if it was made now it would all be about sexual perversion Mm. You know, <laughs> that was a joke, by the way. I'm not calling. <laughs> I'm not calling everything that goes on sexual perversion, but um, but pegging—that's sexual perversion. But 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 seriously, <laughs> gender and race so fucking boring. I know. Like I you know, know, this was class based, and and remember, like Pretty in Pink, and remember the modern left—they don't care. They don't want to know about class. Class embarrasses them. You know, look at the Met Gala that just happened. So if you're listening to this in 2050, we just had the Met Gala and and all these um, rich stiffs uh, in the Democratic Party, you know, got together and uh, dressed in fancy dresses and had all the help wearing masks. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. So, but but this movie today, imagine what this movie would be now. Imagine yeah, this awful. kind of this kind of low-key personal story is just not allowed anymore. Like this was back in the day when it was like, oh, I'm just going to tell this, you know, this story that's got some mild biographical elements. It's like, you know, the drama is means a lot to the characters in it, but it's not, you know, it's not, I'm, I'm not trying to make some kind of statement about discrimination. Well, and he's, he's friends mainly with girls, but yet he's not effeminate. Um, that's right. But mm. he can hang out with the guys as well. It's not like he had a bad relationship with the guys. Yeah. Um, the gas and sip actually was my favorite scene. <laughs> that was that was profound. That was, yeah. that was yeah, actually yeah, quite yeah. profound because he just says to them, he says, "What if you guys know so much? Then why are you hanging out here?" Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like none of it was a question. Like we didn't question his relationships. Well. With- with his friends. Well, I did question why those uh, his female friends didn't didn't try and go out with him. You know mm. why they didn't want to date him. But that's you know you just revealed, and I'm like you as well. You just revealed why we we didn't 
weren't we very successful in high school in, <laughs> in that way? Because because you just said, and as I would say, oh, there's chicks there, why aren't you dating them? Like, that's not how it works. Like, no, they, but they really, they, they fawn over him. No, though. but like, there were guys, no, there were guys in my high school. In fact, one of my very good friends, he had like just girlfriends and stuff, like, and it was just agreed and understood that they were just friends. And it wasn't, there was no, there was that, that, there was no kind of uh, tension about that, you know. No. Whereas I couldn't, I, I wouldn't be able to stop thinking about it. I'd be like, when are we, when are we, are we dating? Is this dating? Do you want me to, oh, are we going to wow. get married? You know? <laughs> what do you think, AJ? It's funny because my, best friend was always a guy <laughs> I know, and there was no not that sexual tension there ever i know and it, and it's been really hard with for girls because we're still good mates now right so it's always been hard on their part yes whereas no one gives a fuck <laughs> like we <laughs> both have never been interested never nothing's ever happened yep yeah well it's that all it yeah so i just think that so, Ricky, I'm not quite sure what how to counsel you here. You know, but Lily <laughs> Taylor is a freak anyway. She's always the weird girl. Yeah, Do you want to date her? Super hot in this. Really? Yes. I thought yeah. she, she should have exactly been. exactly the same. Well, I, th- I don't know. I think she should be the lead. Wow. <laughs> and I can't start. The and the main, okay, full disclosure, Ioni Sky is married to or, or in a de- long-term de facto relationship and with a kid with Ben Lee. No. You know? No, yes. Australian no. Ben Lee. Yes. No, no, no. Just fuck get with off. it. No, he fuck, was on the Masked no, Singer last well, fuck week. Fuck you too. Okay, you listen here. That I've I've talked about this on um, the other show. I'm deeply hurt by Ben Lee and and the cuckery that he's he's now <laughs> involving himself in. Every he's on TikTok and he, he started it. Seemingly, like you know, was doing all these. I'm having fun with my kids. Videos. Yeah, now it's all about get vaxxed. Now it's all about get vaxxed and lost American politics crap. And and like you know, I was such a big fan, and I just am so hurt that he seems like such a dickhead. Don't you think, AJ? Oh, I never really got like into him. him. Yeah, well, fair <laughs> enough. No, but like, I felt like I was defending him for years, and now I'm just like. Dude, just shut up! And like you know, and so she's in a couple of his videos and stuff. So anyway, and she's a bit of she's wow. an older, older woman too. So she's like um, uh, in their relationship is what I'm saying. So like she, yeah. she thinks she's maybe <laughs> one or something, and he's like you know in his early forties. So you've blown my mind. There you go. Blown so that's it. uh, it's not often that I can be new idea for you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> <A> Woman's Weekly, <laughs> just give you some. Tip. But I really like it when you are. <laughs> yeah. Well, look. All I'm saying is that Lily Taylor, I think, is 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 hot and and a bit crazy. And yeah, I'm into it. You know, mm. that's what I'm saying. And uh, I think that maybe, yeah, he should have like yeah, forget the Pris and go out with her. I mean, she's she's got she's in my list of good stuff. She says uh, on, on the on the party, she says uh, I wrote 63 songs this year. <laughs> They're all about Joe, and I'm going to play every single one tonight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the lyrics are, Joe lies when he cries. <laughs> no, but oh. and, the, and the great comedic beat of, you know, you, you tried to commit suicide over him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good. Uh, she was great. She was one of the best things. She yeah, was. Yeah. She was. Yeah. So I got a couple of a couple of things to cover, and you tell me. I want to talk about 
John Cusack. I want to talk about Cameron Crowe. I don't want to talk about um, some other stuff. So, do, 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 where, where, where do we, where do you want to start? Cameron Crowe. Cameron Crowe. Okay, all right. So, Cameron Crowe, writer director. So, this guy is, you know, in his sixties now. He was precocious. Graduated high school at fifteen. Um, contributing editor at Rolling Stone. He was also the youngest ever contributor. So, that film, Almost Famous, is is you know pretty much autobiographical. Uh, it's about him being this this wonder kind uh, young journalist who became friends with Lester Bangs, uh, and then just this bizarrely rocketed to to becoming you know this this you know uh, contributor at Rolling Stone, and he liked all the seventies rock people that the older people at Rolling Stone didn't like apparently, so they could send him in and that and talk to all of those those tough customers. Um, he went undercover uh, at the age of about 22 at a high school and wrote Fast Times at Richmond High as a novel of really, well, really just sort of a, a group of, you know, loosely uh, connected scenarios involving people at that school. It was quickly optioned as a film, became a sleeper smash. I love that film. Yeah. Well, we, we should cover that film um, another time. So then he's done... You know, a book that I recommend to everybody who's interested in writing, in the screen, in anything, a, a book called Conversations with Wilder. It's an incredible book. Uh, and I've, I've, like, it's one of those books that I have that is just like, you know, dog eared and the rest of it. And it's, it's, it's conversations that he had over, over a few years with Billy Wilder. Now, it's so strange because who the fuck is Cameron Crowe and why the fuck is he talking to one of the greatest filmmakers of all time? I don't know. But, you know, that's like it. It just has turned out that Cameron Crowe is essentially the the unofficial biographer of um of Billy Wilder. Like you know, and and, and he's given us in those interviews an incredible insight into Billy Wilder's Billy Wilder's work. Um, big influence on this film as well. Uh, say anything, and I'll get into that perhaps. Now, I got some issues with this fucking guy. You know what? At the end of the day. Cameron Crowe is just completely unrelatable. He's completely unrelatable. Do you know what I mean? This is all unrelatable. He's graduated at 15. He's writing the Rolling Stone. He's hanging mm. out with the biggest rock stars of all time. You know, he goes undercover at a high school. He's talking to Billy Wilder. What the fuck? Like, you know what I mean? This is completely unrelatable. <laughs> so, you know, well, and so the Diane character is him. In um, saying saying yeah, so so she is this overachieving, hardworking person gets a scholarship. Yeah, he would see himself as a mixture of the two. Maybe, That's right. You know? Yeah. Uh, so, but I just don't get this guy or his movies. Really, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I like the one that no one really likes, Vanilla Sky. <laughs> <laughs> I really like Vanilla Sky. That's I like a weird, singles. It's a weird movie. Okay, well there you go. So singles, he's managed to ca- catch on to the grunge scene there just like uh jerry Maguire, you know mm. um like and he's had some big high profile bombs uh recently like uh, he did that movie which i haven't seen which was at the beginning the very big the burgeoning of of the of the new era where he got um what's her face uh emma stone to be in that movie aloha or whatever and she played like i don't know like white asian or something it was a, did, you know, did you not know about this, AJ? 
No. Oh, okay. There was a, there was like a there was a, a you should look it up. Look up Aloha and 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 there was a sort of a whitewashing thing that went that was a problem in it. Ooh. So um, look, the problem with this guy is he's just too cool for school as well. He likes classic rock and all that Laurel Canyon stuff, um, which I obviously you know think is good, but I don't. It doesn't. If I'm honest with myself, like it's not what really rocks my world in that uh, it doesn't speak to me like like i wish Joni mitchell spoke to me the way she obviously speaks to him do you know what i mean mm. um he's got no time for rick astley do you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's too cool for he's too cool for whitney you know he's like oh fuck fuck like well, there's no whitney in this movie do you know what i mean like i prefer brett easton ellis's taste you know what i mean and actually <laughs> you do <laughs> That's amazing. So now, Ricky, maybe you can help me with this. Now, I this can maybe lead us into the song. I think that the difference between you know Cameron Crowe and someone like me is the difference between it's whether you like Peter Gabriel or Phil Collins. Mm, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So now I'm not saying, now let me get it straight because this is veering into outside my portfolio slightly, but uh, let me get it straight. Peter Gabriel is a fucking genius. <laughs> okay. Let's get that out of the way. Yeah. He's amazing and like really moving music. You're like yeah. just really great. And, and I want to hear more about him, you know, especially yeah. from you. But, you know, if I have to be honest, like in the air tonight is, is where, I'm, where it's at. Like that's that's <laughs> what I love, you know. Yeah. And uh, so I don't buy this whole thing that Cameron Crowe's got. Like we're meant to, because Lloyd, at the end of the day, he might be left to center, but he's still a, like a rock muso. He's still like a rock yep. nerd. And at the end of the day, fuck you. Like you're still you're not a comic book loser. That's nothing. Like if you're <laughs> like if you're a comic book loser like I was, then you are the lowest of the low. You know, like mm, you, yeah. like you, you, like the end of the day, him and his chick friends can go and like, yes, yeah, strum away and go to a guitar shop and write mm. songs and be yeah. cool. Like yeah, that's well, he, that, that's what I mean. He wasn't a loser at all. That's right. Yeah, he's way cooler than mm. uh, than, than his reputation. Like pe- people at the party are like, oh, why are you here with Lloyd? You know, if he was a real loser, they just wouldn't know him. But that's right. But mm. where does he get off? Like you know, um, he's trying to sell me. On on this guy and this story of being like I'm like that guy's cool he's got he's got everything like yeah he doesn't have a plan but like everyone he's mm. not like he's not getting beaten up yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> well I think yeah I think I think he would be one of the cool guys at school yeah you know because he's he, you know he listens to the Chili Peppers in the car I mean I think th- when they were good well yeah when they were they ever good though um, oh. <laughs> No, I... Allpike probably thinks that that's current music. Do you think that... No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) No, I really identified with that because when I was similar age, like late teens, I would have been driving around in my car listening to a fucking cassette of the Chili Peppers, you know. I'm pretty sure Mm. I was. That's what I was doing, you know. So I kind of identified with his music taste there uh, i gotta say i'm not a fan of the chili peppers anymore i think they're a terrible band and i think <laughs> and i think the the only and this is really controversial the only album that's worth listening to is the one that all the chili peppers fans hate and that's one hot minute one hot minute is fucking good oh yeah it's the only one that you should listen to maybe we can get into this 
maybe on another <laughs> podcast we can talk about my views on the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Well, but- well, well once we do Back to the Future, I think, you know, Flea's in that, so that'll get us in. Okay, <laughs> sure. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's always been this interesting distinction because Phil Collins and Peter Gabriel were in the same band to begin with, yes. Genesis, and then uh, Gabriel left to do his solo thing. There's always been these sort of two camps of are you a, are you a Phil Collins guy or are you a Peter Gabriel guy? And Peter Gabriel did go a little bit more highbrow, a little bit more uh, esoteric and and harder for the average person to to get into, whereas Phil Collins was a lot more poppy, but still I think a genius in his in his own right. I mean, some of those songs are just so fucking catchy and underrated as a as a drummer too. I think he's a bit of a the butt of jokes amongst drummers, uh, Phil Collins. But uh, and he's a really good singer too, Phil Collins, you know. Um, I, l- I like them both, to be honest. Of course, but we all like them both. But 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 if you had to if you had to choose, yeah, Ooh. what would you do? A divided but, podcast. Oh, I would probably choose Phil Collins. Yeah. Oh wow! Amazing. So it's not divided. <laughs> AJ, what would you choose? Yeah, Phil. I thought mm. that was Sting. That's how much <laughs> I know about Peter Gabriel. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. He's good too. You know, Sting's good too. Yeah. No, but I think that's interesting that we've all picked Phil Collins there. Like, because every part of me knows that I should pick Peter Gabriel. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's clearly, like, you know, especially his film work as well. Like, he did Last Temptation of Christ. And, yeah. you know, he's done, he's worked with Kate Bush, you know, like, he's just, he's just got that, that uh, cerebral, you know, coolness mm. that, that really should be, um, uh, I don't know. Like you just rationally go, well, I should just pick the him, but but uh, but I just don't. It just doesn't rock my world in the way. And I just don't. I I I I I, I was supposed to bring it up because you know I, I'm a fan of of you know the the salt of the earth uh, people, <laughs> you know, of 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 like, and I don't and I don't and I don't and I don't, I'm confused at this snobbery, you know, like 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 I'm not saying I don't want to live in a world where you, we can only listen to Phil Collins, <laughs> you know, or, or that like it's just you know uh, everything is really superficial. But at the same time, I you know I I feel I just want to rail against that that kind of that snobbery that you see rear its head every now and then. And I think that um, Cameron Crowe to me, and he might be horrified and shocked at all of this, but I think he's got this a kind of snobbery a rolling stone kind of snobbery yeah like rolling stone albums that rolling stone give like you know five stars and you listen to it and you just go what the fuck is this (laughs) (laughs) well you wouldn't you wouldn't be saying that about peter gabriel's album so which is where in your eyes comes from which which is incredible and I, yeah, I think the, the whole Phil Collins, Peter Gabriel thing, I think P- Peter Gabriel's more of a uh, maybe of a slower burn, uh, uh, but something you can can delve into and discover more mm. over the years, whereas That's Phil true. Collins is a little bit more poppy, a little bit more hooky. You you, you know, you, you get what you get from the outset. Well, you well know? That, that Rick Beato video you sent, uh, which yes. was an explanation of, of why 
in your eyes yep. is great is yep. is the exactly what you're talking about. He breaks it down in a way that you just go, oh, my God, this is amazing. That's right, yeah. So uh, if you're not familiar with Rick Beato, you should check him out on YouTube. He is a, a jazz guitarist. I'm not quite sure how old he is, but he's probably in his early 60s, late 50s maybe. Um, but he's been an amazing musician uh, working, uh, I think, out of L.A. for a long time. But he's built this amazing YouTube channel where he talks about music theory, he talks about uh, – Everything from, you know, what makes this pop song great to, you know, looking at um, really complicated jazz stuff and he does interviews and, and all sorts of things. He's really quite amazing and, and a really engaging guy. But he does this series called um, What Makes This Song Great? And one of the uh, episodes he did was on um, Peter Gabriel's track In Your Eyes. And he really explores the production and recording of, of, the, of the track and um, what's amazing about this track, as, as he explains in the video, is that any instrument in the mix can be soloed with the drums and the track still sounds fucking amazing. Um, and it's, the track is also a, a really good example of, uh, of a world music hybrid uh, as it features the Senegalese singing and percussion of um, Yusur D... Uh, what's his name? Uh, Yusur Ndor. Um so that was Peter Gabriel's thing as well. He was um, an early proponent of this world music fusion that uh, that became a lot more popular sort of later on in the in the nineties. Um, he really kind of got in there early with that. But yeah, the the the, the track is amazing. It's just got this. Uh, well, first of all, the. the the playing, every, all the musicians on the track are fucking amazing. Like, you know, everyone from bass player to guitar player, whatever. But Peter Gabriel's vocals are just really amazing and well-produced. And uh, no auto-tune. Yeah, no, no auto-tune, you know, back in the days when you actually had to sing it properly. And um, just, yeah, this really interesting groove that has this straight drum beat uh, against this more uh, offbeat sort of speaking drum, Senegalese drum that's going on, which is a really interesting mix, I think. But yeah, check out that check out that uh, that YouTube video. It's really cool. Yeah, really does break it down into its parts. Yeah, Fantastic. and I'm always surprised at how these guys get get the stems from these iconic tracks, like how he's able to solo just the vocals and how he's able to solo just the guitar part. Like how's, how's he getting hooked up with, you know, with, with stems from, from iconic recordings like that. I, yeah, I don't cool. get it. Like, uh, cause he does it on a number of, of, of tracks as well. Like e each one of these, um, what makes this song great, episodes he, he's able to do that he's able to go okay let's listen to what the bass is doing and he solos the bass and let's have a listen to what the drums are doing and uh it's a really great uh learning tool as well if you're interested in songwriting and composing and it's also the best way to hear the song you'll never hear it the same again once you like once you hear these breakdowns afterwards you just go oh my god i can hear those elements that's right you know, yeah in, yeah in situ mm. um so, uh, you know, I also like that just quickly, I, I, I did like the score of this movie. Um, mm. Stripped back, piano. Yeah. Mm. I liked it more than, than the source music. So I liked it more than his, uh, the, 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 you know, uh, bands and artists that he, that he mm. picked. 
you know, I just thought the score was 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 nice, you know. Yeah, yeah. And what do you think of that iconic scene with the boombox? AJ. Well, what song would you guys pick? Oh. <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, you can't go, go past in your eyes once you've heard it, you know. Um, but that's what song you would play if you were in that situation, if you went over to your ex's well, well, house? Well, no, but it's, it's relevant because they were listening to it in the car. I mean, that's why... That's why yeah. it works, you know. It wouldn't work if he. Well, let me just tell you here what was actually playing in that scene on set, okay? Because that that music was was put on in post when they got the rights to use it. Uh, right. But Cusack was actually playing a track called "Bonin in the Boneyard." That's amazing. by one of his favorite bands, Fishbone. So you need to go to Spotify later on today and look up "Bonin in the Boneyard" by Fishbone. It is. Totally inappropriate for that scene. <laughs> it That's is a funny, amazing. it's a funny track. <laughs> it's, you know, it's got something about it. It's cool, but it's not, not something you would serenade your Juliet. Uh. <laughs> no, well, well, it's all changed, man, because now it'd be WAP. You know? <laughs> so to be, you know, get a bucket and a muck, you know, like it would just be. <laughs> Uh, but but they were toying with they were going to use Billy Idols to be a lover. Um, also, Crow had commissioned a number of bands to write possible themes. So the Smithereens were one, and they turned in a track that would become their big hit, "A Girl Like You," and it wasn't oh. used in in the uh, in really the sexy film. music. Mm. Yeah, but he's gone with yeah, which, <laughs> which is a very emotional track. Mm. You know. And I also read that um, uh, the, the "In Your Eyes" was written for Rosanna Arquette. So, oh, wow. so two songs, two written about it. two huge wow. songs have been written about it. Rosanna by Toto, and this one. I couldn't Rosanna, believe it. This is terrible, but like, so get she must have been quite something because she got two massive songs written about her. Harvey Weinstein d- desperately wanted to, you know, mm. get a slice to bone her in the boneyard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but like that's massive. Like you know, I know. because to be frank, she's a six. <laughs> well, there must be something about her. I don't know. I was way more into Patricia. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I loved Patricia Arquette. I was. Yeah. Uh, I was all about her. Like you know, Lost Highway. You know, True Romance. I mean, now mm. she's mumsy wumsy, but like, <laughs> <you know. laughs> whatever. You know. She looks like someone you'd see in a library now, like, you know, looking stuff, stuff, stuff on the internet. You know? Uh, whatever. Uh, wow. Right. So, uh, so John Cusack. AJ, what do you think of John Cusack? Oh, I love, I love him. Yeah, any, in, any, in anything in particular or just in general? Um, I loved him in High Fidelity. Yep. Yeah. Okay. What is it about him that you think he's good? Uh, I like the way he speaks. I like the talky roles. That he, like, he's always talking. He's always blabbering. Yes. So you like the cadence of his, I of do. his speech. Okay. <laughs> now, he's sort of got a bit of a left of center vibe, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just thought it was interesting, you know, that that he has this mystique. You know, when you he is um, famously anti-war, mm. um, anti-Israel uh, as well, uh, which you know is very derigueur now, nowadays. Um, he voted for Bernie Sanders both times. Uh, he pens articles for HuffPo uh, and has done that for quite some time. Um, and I just wonder, 
you know, which is all fine. And none of that is particularly uh, in, you know, new or interesting. But I wonder if he's bought into all this new bullshit, you know, because his brand of Hollywood liberalism is not in vogue. Do you know mm. what I mean? He wasn't in the I take responsibility video. You know what I'm saying? No. Yeah. <laughs> like I didn't see him there taking responsibility. And in fact, he should because in this movie he says, he gets down to the kid and he says, hey, my brother, can I back up here? He's so classic. <laughs> so he should take responsibility for that microaggression there. But, but what do we think? I mean, he's from this Michael Moore era. You know, we're living in the Robin D'Angelo era now, okay? Back then, we were all on board. We were like, yeah, fuck the war, fuck Bush, yeah, Mm. fictitious president, yeah, fuck all that, you know? And then uh, we had Obama. uh, Don't we we long for that lovable buffoon of George Bush II now? Yeah, well, no, he has been completely rehabilitated, though. Yeah. I mean, Michelle Obama and him are having some kind of affair. Like that, that, whenever they're together, they're they're playing footsies under the table. Like wow. it's it is, it is now he's charming. You know, he mm. literally started a war. Literally started a, an actual war. Yeah. Um. And you know, and her husband, uh, uh, Barack. You know, drone striked more people than you've had hot dinners. She loves it. She loves the power. Yeah, the person that they're that they're appalled at is the guy who was like, you know, um, a celebrity wrestler. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're like, oh, that's too much. That's too much. Anyway, anyway, how many people were killed by our drone strike in Afghanistan? Who cares? <laughs> yeah, you know. So, but but this kind of um, yeah, this Hollywood liberalism that that I that that I was definitely on board with, and I feel like I still am, like, like on board with all the stuff that he's into. But I feel like he's out of step completely now, like with what yeah. is hot. You know what I mean? Like, because at the end of the day, if you look closely at it. What this type of liberalism says is, yeah, down with the war, Israel sucks, Bernie's great, Huff Poe's the, the best, you know, but I want to be rich and a leading man. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Whereas in this era, they're not, they, they're like, yeah, yeah, all of that sucks, but like, you know, more importantly, um, you know, you the patriarchy yeah more importantly the patriarchy and And you know give up all your money you need to step aside you know Mm -hmm. Uh, so you know oh mind you we are witnessing a a new new version like this this kind of um because it's hypocrisy do you know what i mean that's what john john cusack represents to me now like it used to be so cool to get up and say like to be a rich actor and say yeah down with george bush but now I feel like, you know, you just feel like saying, yeah, yeah, cool. Why don't you give all your money away then? Well, yeah, why don't you why yeah. don't you not be in the movie? Oh, well, I want to be in the movie. Oh, you want to be in the movie? Okay, cool. So, you know what I mean? I just can't take it anymore. I can't take this hypocrisy. And so yeah. he's sort of been tainted a bit. Like, and I'm fascinated that he's even still in movies now. Well, is he? Is he? Well, yeah. Well, he's, he's, if you look at his wiki, he's endlessly in these peaked caps. He's, every movie, he's got these, like a black cap on and sunglasses. So I feel like... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they've just both fingered him in movies. Right. Like he's on his way to Starbucks and they've just put a movie around him. Or <laughs> yeah. you know? They just follow him around and then just quickly set up yeah. some, some cameras. <laughs> Quick. That'd be rain. Yeah. So I don't, oh. I don't know. Anyway, look, that's just my rant. Well, listen, I've, I've got another interesting fact here. And AJ, I, I'm interested in your reading. Uh, Cusack's never been married and has never had children. And when asked in 2009 interview why 
this was the case, he answered, society doesn't tell me what to do. Oh, that's interesting. So is he some sort of weird asexual? No. Like <laughs> nullo. It's just fucking birds then, isn't yeah. it? Is he? Well, I feel like saying <laughs> his attitude uh, doesn't suggest that he'd be a very um, selfless lover. <laughs> you know? He's but not still, checking, but he's still not checking to, be... to see if you finished, you know? <laughs> he's checking to see if your Uber's there. <laughs> <laughs> so true. But still, you know, people like Stallone have been married, mm. you know, and and back in the day, I mean, Stallone was fucking king and had the biggest biggest ego in the world, you know. So mm. that's no that's no measure of uh, whether or not you you get married. So I don't. I just thought that mm. was a bit bit strange that someone of his age and someone of his, um, I guess his pro- his profile has has mm. never has never, you know, at least been married for six months. You know, no, but he could have just said, you know, it's not my style. Why? I just think that it's 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 overstating, you know, yeah. to say to blame society. Like, yeah, yeah. particularly <laughs> a lot of a lot of his audience are normal people with normal relationships. There's nothing wrong. Like, you yeah, know, yeah. we are animals at the end of the day. And we, you know, we, we do like to be with people and we do like to have families and, and whatnot. And, and I mean, he could have made it positive as well. He could have said, oh, I find family wherever I go or something like that, you know, yeah, whereas yeah. instead he's yeah. being, he's being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's being a fucking dick. And yeah. And all of his movies are based around relationships, really. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I've got to say, I've not seen many John Cusack films. Is that weird? Uh, well, you've seen Con Air. You? I've seen Con Air. Yeah. You've seen, seen Gross Point Blank? No, I haven't seen that. Uh, well, Better Off Dead and Not One Crazy Summer we're going to do on this show. Right. So don't worry about those. that. They're, they're great. The Better Off Dead's arguably his best 80s movie. Right. Okay. So, I mean, I know the people who love this movie would disagree. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but I've I'm seen the- Serendipity. Not He's in that, right? That was the 9-11 mm. movie. That was the movie that everyone went to see, uh, you know. It was it was very close to 9-11 just after. And, right. And people, and suddenly everyone was like, I just want a good romance. And that, that movie had just come out. Yeah. And everyone went to see that movie. That right. was huge. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was big. Mm. So people were like, oh, and I think the towers are in it maybe as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe. So, yeah, no, look, he's done a few. He did get interested, you know, a few a few cool things here and there, but um, uh, no, he's he 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 does left to say. Oh, wait a minute, being John Malkovich. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The puppet Which, master. That's yeah. his best movie. Mm. Yeah. yeah. We all agree. That's has yeah. to be his best movie. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that. That's good. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, I, I you know there might be some more to discuss. I, I'll quickly. Uh, I just wanted to come back to this before before I forget. So, what do we think of the ending scene of this movie? On the plane, um, I don't know. Sure. I thought it was. Uh, <laughs> oh, this is not I, what I expected. No, no, I, I didn't think it quite fit. Okay. The, 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 the. I don't know the, the tone of it or something. I know quite. I can't put my finger on why I thought it mm. wasn't a good way to end. But all right. Well, you know, he he clearly is a big fan of Billy Wilder. So there's some Wilder stuff in this. Like you know, I think one of the greatest movies of all time is The Apartment from 1960 and um like easily one of the greatest movies of all time so absolutely sublime and the, so the the pen thing in this movie is is essentially a very billy wilder thing you know it's it's props and lines having a bit of a one two three when you think about it it's like 
give him a pen um, and then, she, you know, he writes the letter and then it's the pen, pen that gets given, you know, one, two, mm. three at the end. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. That's, and there's that a is- famous line, she gave me a pen, I gave her my heart. And she mm. gave me a pen. Absolutely. So the, the total Billy Wilder stuff there, um, you know, like in the apartment, there's a key that goes back and forth, an apartment key, you know what I mean? Or there's these props that do that sort of thing. But the ending of this movie I thought was sublime, uh, you, you know, not just how it made me feel, you know, because I get it now. I get how exciting it must have been, you know what I mean? Like, you go, oh, wow, that is very exciting, you know, the idea of – and think about it, in the 80s, like not like it, it was like air travel – going to going across the pond that's huge like and you're yeah. disconnected from like you're not just going and oh you know I'll get you I'll catch you on uh, on zoom later it's like no 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 I'm going and we're not going to talk for 5 years <laughs> you yeah. know like 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 it's so big yeah. uh, but but really that that I uh, that um little one two three that he does well that little setup he does where he says you know uh once the ding happens we're going to be okay that is that's like the apartment, famous line in the apartment at the end, you know, shut up and deal. It's it's just like, you know, I thought that, I thought that was just sublime, you know, really, really, really great stuff, you know, really clever. And to, to have had a command on that kind of moment at his age, I think is, it was, was, was spectacular stuff. I guess I wanted something a bit simpler. I don't know, a bit, bit more 80s, riding off into the sunset sort of shit. Well, yeah, well, we, but we got that in Cobra. And we got like um, <laughs> Breakfast Club, you know, those things. This movie's like, no, fuck that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, look, what do we think on the Me Too scale of this movie? Anything? It's nah. pretty low. Okay. Well, so. Although, although there is the dad telling the dad about, mm, you know. Yes. And Joe. Joe's a bit of a dirtbag. Yes. But, so get this. So. Uh, Ioni Sky's character says that she knew there would be a confrontation with Lloyd getting, you know, getting physical, you know, and that he would get that look in his eye at the end of the night. And then she says to her dad, but then I attacked him anyway. Mm. I attacked yeah. him anyway. Um, so I don't know, that's girl boss stuff. So I guess that's that's good. <laughs> that's good. Um I was slightly confused by that, by that bit. Yeah, no, she was the movie's called Say Anything. So that that was another one, two, three. It was like that's hit, you know, she says, I can always say anything to you. And then later on in the movie, she says, you know, um, uh, she says the same thing when she's rebuking him in in the retirement home. Uh, So this movie gets top marks uh, because um, Lloyd, in a very, very modern way, um, says, Are you comfortable? You know, consent and all that. He's shivering. So he's punk bitch. I mean, you know. (laughs) His punk bitch behavior was uh, was very uh, welcomed, uh, I'm sure, by everyone. <laughs> Joe, similarly, although Joe's a love rat, he also says to Corey while hugging her, will you have sex with me? Top marks there. Oh. So this is the world they Consent. want. This is the world they want. All above board, no surprises, no ambiguity, no excitement, no excitement. Forget that. No, what we want is you to say to someone, Will you have sex? I'm going to say it to Katie tonight. Will you have sex? With <laughs> will, will you sign this consent form? Will you sign it? Will you sign it? And uh, and that's what the world they want. But um, so you would think. So this actually put this movie into the negatives. This was like a negative three, <laughs> just because it was. But unfortunately, it had Jeremy Piven in it, which brought it up to a four. So that's true. So you know, so Jeremy Jeremy Pigman was in it. And Pigman, <laughs> Jeremy Pigman, who has been me too several times, and although 
he put himself through an actual uh, polygraph uh, and passed. Um, you know, I mean, no smoke without fire. So mm. there you go. Mm-hmm. On several instances, uh, Variety has explained uh, mm. one in which he exposed himself. Hey. Hey. So that's my reading of the, mm. it's four out of ten. As I told you, you can't get zero. This was it was doing very very good. As I yeah. said, it was, in, it was the first movie we had that was in the negatives because mm. we had we had men shivering and saying, you know, are you comfortable? And you know, will you have sex? All that, all that good stuff. Mm. I mean, that's romance now. That's modern yeah. romance. That's what's hot. <laughs> what's well, hot. before we wrap things up, let's talk reviews. Roger Ebert loves this film, by the way. Uh, He's called Say Anything, one of the best films of the year, a film that is really about something that cares deeply about the issues it contains, and yet it also works wonderfully as a funny, warm-hearted, romantic comedy. Uh, He later included it in his 2002 great movie list, writing, Say Anything exists entirely in a real world. It is not fantasy or a pious parable, has characters we sort of recognize, and is directed with care uh, for the human feelings involved. Um, wow. it, did, it did have some detractors, though. Uh, New York Times said the film resembles a first-rate production of a children's story. <laughs> um, its sense of parents and the summer after high school is myopic, presented totally from the teenager's point of view, yet it's a melodrama. Uh, that's New York Times. Variety said it's a half-baked love story full of good intentions but uneven in the telling. Um But the review also said uh, the film's appealing tale of an undirected army brat proving himself worthy of the most exceptional girl in high school elicits a few laughs, plenty of smiles, and some genuine feeling. Um, I don't know whether he was an army brat, but anyway, I I think I agree a lot more with Ebert's take on that than uh, Mm. New York Times or Variety. Mm. But that's, that's how they saw it back in the day. What did you think about the letter? At the end, that, that, that uh, he gets that in he, prison? No, 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 that he wrote to her after they broke oh, up. Oh, that's, that's the grand oh, after gesture. after the sex. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's great because he really puts his heart on the line and does something that, see, guys aren't good with writing letters and feelings and expressing their feelings and stuff. So that's actually quite a big gesture for a guy, especially of that age, to do as well. And he sort of laid it on the line and then she breaks up with him in the car and gives him the pen. And I think I think it works really well. Like it's like a crushing blow for him, you know. And I I felt that the breakup stuff was actually really quite realistic. Um mm. and I, you know, it 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 uh it brought me back, you know, to some of my early relationships, you know. And I think I think it's so realistic, you know, it reminds me of um yeah, of 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 a similar time, and you know the the fact that he's 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 heartbroken and he's just driving around like that's all you do as a as a young twenty something when you get when you get your heartbroken is you just drive around. So that's true. all you do. Listening you know. to songs. Yeah. So I thought the letter was a bit light. Oh, in terms of the content. Yeah. Will <laughs> yeah. always be there for you. All the love in my heart. Well, I you know. Again, being a guy, like yeah. even even that would have been hard to have come up with, you know. But it kind of sounds like he's hitting and quitting it. If I got that, I'd be like, all right, it's a one-time thing then. Oh, really? <laughs> I'll always oh. be there for you. Are you. Have your friends owned me? Oh, like, oh I see. <laughs> Maybe yeah. I'm overthinking it. No. <laughs> no. Look, at the end of the day, these 
these types of things, unless, you know, he's not Shakespeare and... <laughs> That's true. You know, and the... the, the, the oh, oh, God. You, you, what can you say in in these letters in a movie that we haven't heard a thousand times before? That's true. I thought the sweetest thing he said was the simplest, you know. So that that idea of writing the letter was, you know, much he made a big deal of it. But I think that his admiration, his feelings for her was by far, uh, you know, was by far better shown But by, by, by he says, in, in that very uncomfortable dinner he has with the dad's friends, he watches them interact, uh, the father and the daughter. And then he says, he honestly says to them, oh, well, he's like, you guys are amazing together. And he says that um, uh, I'm not like that with anybody. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and it was so heartfelt and so, do you know what? That that That's so precious because he was doing something that is so uh, undervalued and that is he was he was paying attention. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what Definitely. I mean? He was paying mm. paying close attention, and and that's a, throughout the film. Yes, mm. and it was about something that didn't involve him. It wasn't selfish, you mm. know. So when you're writing these letters, like and you do all that, mm. like <laughs> that's that's nice, but it's sort of you and your sense experience. Whereas yeah. this was him recognizing something great about her, you know, and her relationship with the person who's most important in her life, that was so much more meaningful, you know, from my perspective mm. than, you know, all the other stuff. Even at the party when he keeps looking for her, she doesn't usually go to parties. He's not over cramping her mm. like by like leading her around or whatever, but he just, she noticed that he's always looking in. Checking like in, looking, yeah. yeah, checking to see that she's all right from a mm. distance. Yeah, that would be nightmarish. Yeah, it's a little bit creepy, but at the same time, it's nice. Too. The party's just not in Mount Marish. Like, like oh, we're, definitely. we're just never going to. That, that is the worst uh, venue to be to be showcasing <laughs> anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh boy! All right. Well, we should wrap this up. We should. Final yeah. thoughts. Oh, I didn't prepare a final thought this time around. <laughs> I, I tried, but I couldn't come up with anything punchy enough. I don't know. Okay. I'm sorry that I led you guys down the path, I feel. Oh, <laughs> I think we deserved it in a way. I don't know. <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> so, anyway. All right. Well, next week we actually we actually have our, our team up uh, with Hey You Guys next week. We got, we got Bernie, uh, Weekend at Bernie's 1 and 2. So, that's going to be great. After that, uh, we've got Jade. Uh, which mm. is going to be fantastic. Now, I wanted to debut this with you. What, so we got October coming up. What do you think of this? I want to do a spooktacular. Ooh. I want to knock I'm off excited. Some, I want Friday the 13th, multiples. Yes. I want to do like two <laughs> weeks where we go bang, 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 and just like get, do it, you know? What do you reckon? I'm so fucking excited. Spooktacular, it's coming. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, said what we said. Said what we said. Yeah. And until next time. Long live the new flesh. Long live the new flesh. Nudes? Nudes? Oh, boy.